Origin of the Shell Mounds by J. Y. Detweiler, Florida Fish Commissioner From the Florida Historical Society Quarterly, April 1908 Read for LibriVox.org by Leanne Howlett in Florida Modern methods of traveling and the corresponding number of travelers permitting easy access to all parts of the civilized world, and especially throughout the United States, cause many persons to spend their winters in a semi-tropical climate, thereby combining the opportunity to escape the rigor of winter and secure that change of climate conducive to health and happiness. To entertain this vast concourse of people, whose dispositions and tastes vary almost as much as their personal appearance, is no small matter. For the success of each city or locality, and obtaining its proportion of tourists is in proportion to their being properly and satisfactorily entertained. Time, unless satisfactorily occupied by the individual, hangs heavily on his hands, and a change is made for the better, the first available opportunity. The first questions arising in regard to a given locality are its accessibility, its living accommodations, and its opportunities for enjoyment. Hunting, fishing, and sightseeing are among the principal time-killing occupations, and the locality that can combine the three mentioned requisites is favored in proportion as these opportunities are known. Perhaps no location in the state of Florida possesses better opportunities in these three directions than New Smyrna for the class of people whose means permit them to retire from business for a time, leaving their home duties for a period of rest, recuperation, and enjoyment at a price within their income. Hunting has its advantages among the sterner sex. Fishing is enjoyed by the majority of ladies, some of whom are enthusiasts on the subject, but sightseeing, especially that which abounds within the realms of nature, is enjoyed by all classes. New Smyrna possesses in a very great measure all and more than that of any other place. The heavy hammocks within her environments, portions of which are under cultivation and embrace the largest orange groves in the state, her prehistoric buildings, dating beyond the memory of man, without sufficient historic data to inform the present generation as to their antecedents, comprising the foundations of a prehistoric fort, a building from every indication a Spanish mission, and other historical objects. In addition to this, we have the prehistoric shell mounds located at different points along the river, showing conclusively that races of men subsisted upon the oysters, the shells of which remain, for countless ages. These shell mounds, in some instances, are of such magnitude as to cover several acres and in places are forty feet high. Along the west banks of the North Indian River, the shell ridges extend for a distance of many miles. They are also found along the Halifax River from Ormond to New Smyrna, but more especially observed along the new automobile road connecting the later city with Daytona. These shell piles are of such magnitude that an intelligent person said to the writer, what an upheaval of nature's forces must have occurred to produce this vast pile of shells, little realizing that they were the kitchen middens, or the refuse of the culinary department of forgotten races of men, which, having withstood the ravages of time, excite the wonder and curiosity of succeeding generations. It is mainly the object of this article to correct the misleading ideas possessed by the public on this matter, and to explain satisfactorily and intelligently how these shell piles were formed by those who erected them. Centuries ago, the waterways of the east coast of Florida were virtually of the same character as today, a system of lagoons forming century after century, the ridges dividing the fresh water from the ocean at intervals, 
an inlet permitting the fresh water to enter the ocean. The St. John's River at one time was what the Halifax and Indian rivers are today. At Deland, an examination of the shell banks or marl pits shows decomposed, shells, an occasional clamshell or conch shell entire. At Enterprise, there are large shell mounds of fresh water shells, collected for the purpose of food by those living at that time. They are a species of snail and their shells are entire. The method by which the edible matter was removed will be explained later. The present marshes in the vicinity of New Smyrna were at one time a vast oyster bed, covered daily by the ebb and flow of the tide. The topography of the surrounding country was the same as now. No fresh water streams other than creeks emptying into the lagoons, the density of the water was too great for deep water cultivation of oysters, and the limit of the fixation of the oyster spat was that of extreme high or low water or the spring and neap tides. The marsh was composed of soft mud, and the oyster beds, when once formed, covered vast areas, and were the sources from which the oysters were collected that produced the mounds. An examination of the shell in the mounds today shows they were entirely similar to those in the marshes at the present time, as collected for an oyster roast by the tourists. These are culled, the larger ones broken off, the smaller ones remaining to increase in size. The point of juncture is easily discerned. The length of the oyster shows that it was restricted in lateral growth by being bunched with others to elevate itself out of the mud. An oyster grown on a hard bottom lying on the side having depth and width made like a saucer. The calcareous matter of the shell was thin, showing but little lime in the water. The edges of the shell are invariably found unbroken, showing that they were not struck with an implement in order to obtain the edible matter inside. How was this accomplished in a speedy and satisfactory manner? Pots, pans, and kettles were not then in use or the question could be readily solved. It is supposed game was plentiful, and the skin of a deer would make satisfactory receptacle for hot water to open the oyster by immersion therein. How to heat the water with no stones to heat in the fire but coquina, which would burn into lime. Necessity knows no law, and by building up an earthenware pot from the marsh clay the mystery is readily solved. A hole was dug in the sand, lined with a deer skin. This was filled with water. The earthenware pot was placed therein, a fire built inside which soon boiled the water. Oysters were placed around the pot, or dipped in until the shell opened and they were pried open with another shell, and the oyster was ready for eating. In the case of the donac or soup clam, the conditions were reversed. The clams were boiled, the broth made use of with fish, game, and other food. Pieces of broken pottery are plentifully found among the shell piles, as well as large conchs with the point broken to obtain the contents. In the case of the fresh water snails along the St. John's River, the dipping in the hot water would loosen the animal, leaving the shell intact. As to the method of making fire, it was presumably obtained by friction in some manner, and in their travels by canoe or overland could be kept in the cooking pot. All the pieces that are found are black on the inside. In the investigation of the conditions that then existed, there is as much enjoyment and satisfaction secured by the lover of nature in his search for information as in other pursuits, and if the mystery of how the shell mounds were formed is satisfactorily made plain, it is but a contribution to knowledge freely imparted to those who have not had the opportunity to investigate for themselves. End of Origin of the Shell Mounds This recording is in the public domain.